what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am a, uh, gosh, what am I, media producer and a survey consultant out here on the East Coast of the United States. And with me is my, virtually joining me is my other brother in tech, uh, Brian Jackson, out on the West Coast. How are you doing, Brian? Good, Alan. How are you? Doing great. Yeah, doing great. yeah. I, say, I like Brian, how you, I like how you tried to give yourself titles, and you know, you probably, I, I tried. You had, to, it you had to stop after a while because you got too many it, of them. It was it wasn't comfortable. It was not comfortable. <laughs> I uh, I I thought you know maybe maybe I'll try to be a little professional here at the beginning yeah. of the show, and I'm like, no, this isn't uh, working. Why, so why, why start now, um, Alan? Why start? No, now? <laughs> no. Forget professionalism. We're just going to throw it out the wall. Um, <laughs> Yep. This is Brothers in Tech, our show where basically what you're hearing is what my brother and I do every this time we it. basically get together is we talk technology because we're both pretty uh, pretty passionate about tech. And we also find ourselves uh, serving as the, the default IT person in our family, our broader family with family members and friends. So we thought, you know, this might be a good opportunity to get together uh, several times a month and talk about technology and help to share the knowledge we've gained as well as some things we're also curious about and want to learn about as well and be a resource for all of you in there that find yourself in very similar situations to us where you are having family members calling you and asking for technology help and we want to be a we want to be a resource we want to be a help here so that's uh that's what we're going to play with yep. on this uh this series now brian we've been taking the approach of every month we get together we cover a specific topic of technology and this is the beginning of a new month for us so we have a brand new topic to get into and it is the topic of email or as it may be known electronic mail right mm -hmm. yeah, when, yeah when is the last time someone said that right said yeah i've never heard mail. it referred to <laughs> casually as electronic mail did you just Isn't make that, that up? crazy how yeah. that's an abbreviation that just stuck from like oh, the yeah. very first day people use this? And, well, we're uh, we're lazy, right? That's that's way too many syllables, right? It so, is true. It is yeah. true. It, it shortens it down quite a bit. Yeah. So we are going to talk about email, uh, the concept of email. You may say to yourself, "Boy, that sounds really basic. <laughs> like, what is there really to talk about email?" And actually, surprisingly, there is that's quite a, a bit because yeah. uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I think it's important for people to understand how email works, uh, what are some things about email that uh, it's helpful to have some information about. And then as we get into our deep dives after this main episode, we're going to talk about some other kind of more creative, unique approaches to email in some further episodes. So. Yeah. Well, and Alan, I think, I think what's really cool about this particular topic is, uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I think email has become just accepted with all of its issues over the years. I think people just assume yeah. email is what I have to do and there's only one way to do it. And I have to live within this hell that email can create sometimes, yeah. right? Sure. Uh, but I don't think people are really understanding unless they're tech people that are continue to explore that. There's a lot of really cool advances that people are making to try to make it less hellish and make it less of a frustrating thing. Now, I will say also that I personally believe email will not last forever. And I think that there are some really um, 
interesting things that we'll get into in, in later deep dives where email uh, may be a thing of the past, at least for some progressive companies and, and business types. But uh, I just think it's important to, to look and, and see what options are out there, see what creative strategies there are, because we can't just accept and say, that's a really poor way of doing it, but I'm going to continue to do it, right? We need to continue to look for opportunities well, and ways to make it make more efficient. So, Yes and no. I, I agree with you 100%, Brian. But keep in mind, I, I think right now email is at the crest of the same curve that the U.S. Postal Service has been at for you know however many years now that it's basically been operating the same way. And I think most people couldn't imagine doing away with the U.S. Postal Service, even though you're probably finding your usefulness of it diminishing every year. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think email is kind of in the same boat. I, I think it's hard for anybody to think about not using email um, because you just feel like there's something that you're not going to be able to get information about if you don't use email. But as we're all aware, you know, with email, I guarantee you that most of the email most people are getting now is junk email. I mean, uh, our email programs do a decent job of filtering that out for us. But if you were to go look at all the email you technically get in, I guarantee you a lot of it's junk, just like the postal mail is for most people as well. So it's become, like you said, it's one of those just assumed, this is the way it works. This is the way we, but we have to have email, just like we have to have a postal address. And, um, uh, but I agree with you. I, I'd like to explore some creative options as we go further into these episodes. But um, let's just let's just kind of start talking about email, the traditional email that people are used to right now. And uh, I don't even know if everybody quite understands. And again, it took me quite a while to kind of figure it out as well. The different types of email that there actually is when you are checking your email, when you are signing up for an email account and you're configuring your your computer or phone to check your email, there's actually different types of email accounts, yep. correct? Yep. Yeah. So what, what are we dealing with here, Brian? Well, so to make, uh, to, to complicate it a little bit, right. People have seen the, the, the letters IMAP, IMAP yep. or POP, right. It used to be a POP three and, and different types mm-hmm. of uh, versions of that. Right. And, and the way I, the way I try to, approach it and, and remember it's just do I need to get this information from multiple places or not right do I need to do I need okay. to go and get my email on a computer and then go somewhere else and stay, still see that same email on a phone still see that same email from another computer yeah having multiple devices in sync when it comes to email you're talking about yeah multiple devices but also the fact that um I want to view email from a remote location and I want to continue to see that remote location from other places. Right. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So, so if I have a Gmail, everybody, everybody kind of knows what a Gmail account is, right? There's probably many people that have one where you go on a, on a web browser and you're looking at your Gmail account and then you go to someone else's computer and log into your Gmail and you can still see that information there. That's mm-hmm. information that's being stored on the server. So when yes. you go to see it and you, you know, well, we always think download your your emails. You're not really downloading your emails. You're not taking them off, right? It's not like you're going to. Uh, I mean, maybe a, a, an analogy would be if if you brought up the postal service earlier. If we went to a post office and we went to get our mail from a post office and we take the mail with us, if we went back to another post office, that mail is no longer there, right? We don't. Yeah. We can't see that mail at another post office. 
But if this was a virtual post office where we went and we said, hey, show me my mail, here's your envelopes, great. And when you leave that, you really only took a, either a copy of them or you didn't really take them at all. So you can now go to another post office later and say, hey, I want to see my mail again. And they still have it, right? And they've got it. That's yeah. that's when we start talking about kind of server email, right? So that's the, yeah. the IMAP uh, approach yeah. to email, right? Is that you're that's basically right. going to keep yeah. it on the server so that you can see. Uh, IMAP there. is that protocol. Yeah, IMAP is that protocol of my emails on a server somewhere. And I, anytime I log in to check my email, I am seeing the email that's on that server. So, okay. So using the, the, G, the Gmail account yep. example, Brian, like you said, you know, Google has a server, a mail server that your mail is sitting on. When you log into Google to view your email, you are viewing the mail on that server. And like you said, Brian, if you, you know, if you view it and even if you archive it, delete it, whatever, it's still all up on that server. Right. Um, you could go and look at that Gmail account on your phone, look on it on another device, and you're going to see the exact same emails. They stay on the server. This is where most email clients are, are moving to. This is where most email services are moving to. This idea of when you get an email address, it's stored on a server somewhere and that's available to you from any computer any device you want to check your mail. So what's the difference? What's the, what's the opposite of that? The, the, the opposite you may see when you're setting up an email program or, or client and they ask you is POP, P-O-P. Mm -hmm. Brian, you said it used to be you know, P-O-P-3 used to be yeah, how it was referred to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I think, a protocol version number more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a different type of way of approaching email. That is truly where you're saying, the, the, your email server is going to send you the email. Yep. You're going to download it. You're going to view it, download it on your device, wherever you check your email. And that's now the computer that email is going to sit on. So it's no longer on a server. It is. Yeah. If I have a, a computer and I go and check my mail with a pop email account and I view an email that just came in, it has downloaded to my computer. And now if I went to a different computer and tried to access my email, I would not see that message. Right. Because it came to the yeah. other computer and is now That's stored right. there. Right. So it is truly the, it is truly the, uh, uh the postal service, the post uh, office, which... option, right. So they deliver it to your house. The post office no longer has your messages. So you That's cannot right. get them from the post office anymore because they're at your house. So pop was great initially because it was the, as you said, it was the postal surgeon, uh, postal service version of e of uh, digital, right? It's kind of the digital mm -hmm. approach to that. So it was like, okay, we're going to now give you these messages that are digital, but when they go to your computer, they're yours, right? They're yours. Yep. They're stored there. We don't need them anymore. We've already taken them off. And if you say delete, we don't have it anymore. It's you know, it's gone. Um, and then people realize, wait a minute. <laughs> We might actually have multiple devices, and that's where the IMAP came in, and and now we've gone to Exchange and all sorts of different things. And and really, yeah. pop pop servers are not really around much anymore, right? I mean, you have I, options, yeah. but yeah, yeah, you could still, if you know what you're doing, go into your mail program and and try to set it up as a pop mail account if you would rather do that. I'm having a hard time finding any advantages nowadays to using a pop account. And I think the fact that most modern email clients uh, or that you may use email programs, if you are using a Gmail email address or you're using an iCloud email address or you're using an Outlook email address, it's going to configure that automatically for you. Yeah. And it's going to configure it as an IMAP account. So your mail will always be on the server. 
So because they know people are using multiple devices. I mean, I don't want to have an iPad that I download my email on. And then I go over to my laptop and try to check my email and the emails I downloaded on my iPad are not on my Mac. Right. That would, that would drive me insane. <laughs> and so, you know, the idea is that you want to have everything in sync. And the only way to do that is to use IMAP, which is on a server. So I guess the lesson we're just trying to say with all this is um, you're probably using IMAP and you should be using IMAP. Yeah. And if it doesn't yeah. ask you it to, whether you're using IMAP or POP, I guarantee you it's using IMAP and that's what it means. So, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't see yeah. any reason why you would use POP unless you're someone at home that has one computer where that's where email goes and that's the only place you want to go. And you believe security wise that you want it downloaded one place exactly. and you don't want it on a server anymore. That uh, could be it as well. If you are just really don't feel like this is email you want to have on a server anywhere out in the internet, you want to be able to download it. And once it's downloaded, it is only on this one computer. There may be, yeah, there may be some very specific use cases where that's, that's, that's something you want. But I think for the general users, yeah. I, I don't see a I don't see a reason for it. Yep. I personally feel like my email is probably more secure on a iCloud Apple managed server than it is on my personal computer sitting in my house. Yeah, that's probably true. That's kind of my feeling about it. Is that I feel like I feel like Apple, Microsoft, Google probably have a better hand on how to secure their servers than I do on how to secure my personal laptop. But right. anyway, right. Um, okay. So now. One one other type we didn't mention, and I, I don't think we really need to spend much time on it because it's pretty much an IMAP version, is is sometimes you'll see when you're setting up an email account or you're asking to configure an email account on your email program, uh, Exchange, Microsoft Exchange as a, as a type of email. Um, I, I'm going to play dumb here for a second, Brian. Does, does Exchange servers, they still exist, right? I mean, yes. people still use Exchange servers. Yep, okay. yep. That's my, that's what I use. Uh, right is it now. really? Yeah, okay. yeah. So our university is on an Exchange server. Yeah. All right. and, and, and again, you're right. It's it's really no different than IMAP in terms of your usability. It's just, I think it's it creates a more corporate environment. So you've got, you know, the yep. calendars, you've got the contacts, all of that starting to integrate together a little bit more effectively. But yeah, it's still approaching it as a an IMAP. So yeah, it's sitting on a server. It just happens to be an Exchange server instead of a typical standard mail server. Yeah, and Exchange obviously has a lot of other capabilities and things it does uh, as a server. But mail is one of the pieces it does. So so again, if you're if you're going in and you're setting up a new account, uh, or you got a new email address and you're going in to your mobile phone or your computer and you're adding this email account to your email program. It may ask you IMAP, POP, or Exchange, or it may configure it automatically. Yeah. And uh, so, again, unless you know specifically that you are supposed to be using Exchange Server, you don't need to choose that option. Um, well, and also that pretty much covers really, those options. Yeah, it's really helpful now that it used to be when you yeah you set it up and say, all right, what's your server name? What's the you know the directory and all this sort of stuff? Now you, it says, are you doing a Yahoo account? Are you doing a Gmail account? Are you doing a Microsoft account? Are you doing yeah. that? So it does provide most of those settings. I will say I've had to do a lot of tweaking uh, with Exchange. Exchange is not quite as easy because you're dealing with a company's server, you know. So there is some tweaking you have to do with that. It's not like a Gmail where there's just one setup. Uh, but for most people, when you have one of those accounts, they're going to be uh, setting it up pretty easy. And we we bring this up because we are going to be talking about some different email clients in some of our deep dives. 
which the email clients are made to be more useful and maybe they are not going to set it up automatically. You may have to go and tweak a little bit to really get the, the system doing what you want to do. But well, let's, so, so let's think for just a second, how do people use email? I mean, what's, let's try to broaden our approach here. What's the current use of email? So businesses, right? We know businesses, that is the default way of communicating, right? I mean, mm-hmm. for the large majority of them, that's the way they communicate. That's the way they share information with their workers. It's the way their workers talk to each other in terms of setting up meetings, in terms of uh, providing information, sharing documents, right? Um, for most people, you know, they get that's where they get their spam, right? Their spam email. <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's, that, is, that is what my email is for. Is that's yeah. where I get my spam. So that's, yeah. where I, that's where I get to be told what's well, on sale. Well, I think I think again, it's it's kind of our it's it's kind of the default go to. Uh, I need to send something to somebody that I want to be able to, you know, it's maybe something that's generally speaking can be a little lengthier in uh, volume and how long a message is having attachments. You know, you can send something along with that email address and you're looking to have a build kind of a threaded conversation, mm-hmm. although it is a somewhat time delayed. I mean, I don't think anybody looks at email and assumes that that's an instantaneous dialogue method. It's not. It is a, I'm going to send a message. And when that person gets to that message in their inbox and takes the time to respond, they will respond. Right. Um, yeah. So I, so I think that's a really good point. And that that's, that's one of the things that I think is a short fall of email is that we're now trying to, many people are trying to treat email like an instantaneous thing. Like, Hey, I'm sending yeah. a message and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting for you to respond when there's other ways that can do that more effectively rather than having this threaded, you know, thing that's, that's kind of sitting there for you to, to filter through. Um, right. You know, the problem, the problem with this is we're, we're, I think right now we're at an in-between point in communication where the two modes of email and uh, sending someone a text, right. That one seems somewhat formal. The other one seems informal yet the one like uh, email, we know that almost everybody has it, right? So we know that that's Mm -hmm. still kind of the go-to. You're not going to send a text to someone, your boss, when you're not really sure how that's going to be interpreted, right? So email still feels like the formal version of communication. Um, You know, it used to be that sending an actual memo and a letter was the formal version, and you could make sure Mm -hmm. that that memo was, was formal. I think that's that's the problem is we're kind of at an in-between phase right now where, you know, we're trying to figure out how, how do I get messages to people in certain ways and which are the uh, the thoughtful messages. And that's, of course, the way I approach email is I want something where I can sit and think about what I'm putting down and make sure before I press send that it is going to be correct and that it's going to be yeah. seen and, and uh, viewed in a particular way, whereas a text is a little less thoughtful uh and more quick um and we'll talk a little later in one of our deep dives about some some creative solutions that are starting to combine those two and make them a little bit more like each other right well and that's my biggest challenge so i i'm probably a little more high on email than you are it sounds like now i realize email has its issues and i, I certainly don't expect email to be a a, a, a quick instantaneous dialogue platform. I'm kind of happy it's not, you know, because I want it to be something where nobody's sitting, waiting at their computer, waiting for me to send a response to a question. If they send me a question by email. They're kind of expecting that, you know, I'm, I'm not, 
I'm not sitting there ready to respond that very second. I, I can take my time in crafting my response and answer. Um, the problem for me is that the reason I still kind of rely on email so much like I do is that I don't really feel like there's a good replacement for it yet. I think there are some supplemental ways of communicating, and we'll talk about some of those. And I think there's a few alternative solutions that are starting to arise that could be interesting. It could be a replacement for email in the future. But right now, I, my biggest reason for I, I still have a, a, I consider email a pro is that I like having everything archived and everything searchable and both files and messages and conversations and know that it's all there easy for me to find quickly. Um, that's my reason for why I still rely on, e on, on email. The problem is, is that, you know, text messages, I, I, it's tough for me sometimes to find things in text messages. If I'm trying to look backwards and look through old conversations, it's tough to find, Hey, when did Brian talk about that one, uh, that one thing that he was, that one piece of software he was looking at. It's hard for me to find that in a text email, I could find it in a heartbeat if there's an email of that, of that conversation. So it's, it's, it's tricky. I mean, it, it, unfortunately we're in a point right now where email has issues. Email is not the best all-in-one solution for our communication needs, but it still covers such a high percentage of it that there's just not that one fail safe replacement. I feel like I can move to comfortably and, and not need email anymore. Um, yeah. So it's a little tough. I mean, yeah. again, I, 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 you know, I spend, I spend two hours a day at least on email Sure. and for better, or for worse. And, but at least I feel like I've got all my major important conversations in one place yeah. uh, to work with. But, you know, again, I, I know we're going to talk through some other strategies and other episodes, but yeah. uh, well, it, that could be, that, that could yeah. be where we, where we differ. Cause I, I find myself probably spending a lot more than two hours a day on email. Uh, and you know, if I've got, a couple hundred emails on a normal school year that are happening every day, I find myself most of the time sorting through kind of keep, not keep, keep, not keep. And then when I have to search back through trying to search and figure out when that person sent me an email regarding something and then scrolling through threaded kind of, okay, mm -hmm. this person said this follow, can we go lower? And we see that that person also quoted this thing to me, it, it becomes a challenge and I am not, uh, certainly not suggesting text is any better. I mean, I think text mm. is not good. Uh, and I can, I can give a lot of problems that I have with text messages as well, but I just, yeah. it, well, it, it is great in that you've got a long lineage of things and a lot of information that can be sent and messages that can have attachments, but I feel like it's not, it's, um, so let's put it this way in a business environment. I think there is a need for getting quick information from someone that is in a business sense. And there's also in, uh, the need to send more detailed information that can be processed over time. Unfortunately, I don't think messages and texts have gotten to the point that they are professional enough to do even that kind of communication that needs immediate response. So therefore I use it. I use email for both. I use email for, Hey, I'm sending this over to you. Can you tell me really quickly what you think about this? And I am expecting that response very quickly because I know they happen to be in their office or I know they happen to be, you know, on even on their phone. That's where they're getting their emails as well. And that's probably not what should happen. I think there should be kind of this. There's got to be a better solution to where there is 
information that can be sent within an application, as well as communication and conversations that can happen within that business environment. I think there are ways that that can happen. Um, Well, that's a bridge I'm anxious to see crossed. But right now, unfortunately, I just feel like uh, I personally, and I think a lot of other people in my position, we're faced with having to manage multiple communication vehicles, Mm -hmm. email being the most traditional of them. And then you've got your text messages and then you've got other like social media messaging and you've got other platforms. So there's just a lot of mixture. I find myself having to check a lot more places for messages. And even this morning, I found myself trying to like, remember when did I talk to, where did I talk to this person who told me this? Was it a text message? Was it a Slack message? Was it an email? I don't remember. And I'm having to go through and search all of them, which is not ideal. So Hopefully, so hopefully by the end that, of this month, Brian, right? hopefully by the end of this month, we will solve all of the world's issues well, that's and have a perfect solution for people, right? That's the plan. Yeah. I okay, mean, good. Great. I look forward to that. I will. I am excited <laughs> about that myself. Well, let's, let's talk about, okay, given the cons that do come with email, there are absolutely cons. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's not meant for instantaneous responses. It's truly meant for the more post office mentality of I'm going to send you a message and then you're going to have it in a pile of stuff. And when you get to that one and you respond, then I'll look for your response. And uh, that doesn't always keep up with a society. Like I think we are now, like you said, that is looking for more instantaneous feedback, especially if we know someone's right there in their office and they could respond quicker. Uh, It doesn't lend itself to that type of dialogue. Um, I think too, um, you know, I'm guilty of this Uh, as much as I would love for my inbox to stay nice and clean and empty. And I know that, Hey, when I wake up in the, when I, uh, when I get into the office, there's just going to be a few emails in my inbox and I can work on them, respond to them and I'm done. Uh, for most people, that's not the case. I mean, I absolutely am not the case with that. I have a way too big an email inbox right now of things I still need to get to. And I think the fact that we've opened ourselves up to, receive email requests and questions from people mean that we now experience a backlog uh, with that. And there's not, and and we will talk about some ways to manage some of those, uh, be a little more efficient with your email, but it's not going to completely solve it. It's still a matter of you. If you're somebody who gets a lot of email, it takes a long time to go through and respond and churn through those in most cases. Well, and it's like, I mean, if we think back to one of our previous topics was about going paperless we talked about, I mean, imagine, you know, you, the number of emails that you get a day, imagine those are the number of hard copy letters that you get to your house every day. In your yeah. office. So of course that's going to build up unless you have designated yourself a good hour to go through each one of them, put them in the appropriate file cabinet, doing different things. We talked about scanning them and all of that. Right. So it's, of course, we have shifted all of our mail or a lot of our mail to this digital format, which means, you know, the inbox really is supposed to be, okay, and again, I put supposed to be, I'm sure the people are, are hearing my air quotes that I'm putting up right now, yes. supposed to be that, yeah, it's all in the inbox and we're supposed to then sort it out and figure out, you know, where it's supposed to go, what it's supposed to do and work through it. But when that that exceeds our time availability, right? There's a problem. And yeah, yeah, and going down to a zero inbox, which those days where you do go through and you actually get to zero inbox, 
it is such a euphoric situation because it happens once every six months or so. But what it is is like, oh, oh, six what do months, I do? really? Yeah. I, 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 I thought you were going to say six. I thought you were going to say six years, and I'm like, yeah, that's about right. Um, you gotta remember, you're talking to an educator, so Christmas and the no, summer, that's true. That's and true. when I can possibly yeah. come down to a zero. Yeah. You do have those natural breaks in there, yeah. don't you? So yeah, that's good. Yeah, so inbox well, I think is is appropriate um, still for email, and that's why I think. You know, I, I still think of trying to figure out the difference between email and text messages because they're starting to blend together a little bit, right? Text messages are the thing that, okay, you're just going to get more and more. And I see that transition happening now where, you know, just like we used to have a lot more letters coming in, hard copy letters, and we get fewer emails. And now all of a sudden people realize, well, the emails are where we're going to send you everything. And now people are realizing, well, I'm just going to send you everything via text. I mean, I've got a lot of people that I work with, colleagues that are sitting just like, hey, if I need you a quick response, I'm going to text you. Okay. But that's a business question. And just, you said it just earlier. You said, well, email is supposed to be where I can process and I'm not going to get back. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Well, of course, what if something is needed immediately? That means you're going to get a text message. So now all of a sudden text messages are going to start becoming a mode of communication that is expected to be kind of faster response, even in a more business environment, which I think is scary to me because I still think there has to be this personal and business division, which I uh, I have a hard time doing now. So I want to find some yeah. solutions in which even maybe within the same the same app or the same environment that I can have this immediate kind of connection, but I can also have this timely processing business connection and I can kind of yeah. integrate those two things together. Uh, and I do have some, some options for that. Some things that are, I think are getting close to it uh, that we can bring oh, up, good. but they're not, they're not perfect, right? They're moving that. Right. So well, Alan, you, things- you mentioned another, I, you mentioned another thing early on that I do want to kind of just touch on quickly with regards to email and that is junk mail. Um, yeah, you know, unfor- we have a little bit of an advantage in email than we do with our traditional postal service, and that the postal service is going to send you your junk mail, no matter what. Right. You can put in some requests to have those junk mails mailing stop to you, but it's kind of hit or miss, and you're still going to get stuff sent to you. Email, I will say, you know, most email popular email clients, whether it's Outlook, whether it's uh, iOS or, or Mac Mail, whether it's Gmail through the web interface is pretty good at catching spam nowadays. I, I find myself getting very, very few spams showing up in my inbox. Now, if I st- go to my spam folder where things are automatically going into spam, I'm still pretty amazed with how many spam messages are coming in every day. But yeah. overall, they're pretty good about catching them. So where it used to be, I was finding myself spending a lot of time just hitting the spam button on a lot of emails in my inbox. I don't do that very often. Um, because, you know, I think the the mail companies are getting a little bit better with detecting those spams. Is that kind of your experience now? Or are you? No, they're, they're definitely really, really good. Uh, I will say if you change email clients, so if you're someone who tries to check out something new, maybe you move from Apple Mail to Outlook or vice versa, you do want to take some time over those first few weeks to go and look at their junk folders to make sure that they're categorizing junk the way that you thought that they should be. Um, mm-hmm. Once you get that dialed in initially and you say, oh, wait a minute, you, you know, I mean, I, I've had messages within you know the last several weeks that someone says, hey, I sent you this message. No, I didn't get that. I go and find in the junk, 
right? Once you tag and say, hey, by the way, that's not junk. Now you're getting, it's getting better and better. It's learning as you go along, right? Um, but to me, that's one of those things that is problematic is that when you switch email services or email uh, clients, you may find that they have their own junk uh, algorithms and they may they miss some things, but they're really, really good. I mean, I'd say 99% of the stuff I see when I do go through that junk filter was absolutely junk and it needed to be junk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's really good and it does a lot of that for you. I know Gmail is really good. Um, also keep in mind, you know, when people sometimes poo-poo the, the Gmail, the Google approach to things, there's a beauty of that too, and that it does have some really good algorithms to take advantage of that stuff. And it's not putting it on your computer. So it's keeping yeah. that, you know, malware that, you know, uh, problematic stuff from getting to your computer. And I will say that's one of the things, you know, that we can say is a problem with email is just like anything else, right? The people who create malicious stuff, are going to look at what the most popular vehicle is and what's the most popular vehicle right now is email. Email is the way to get to people. So they're going to send you information that looks really, uh, looks appropriate. And uh, I, given that this, you know, this podcast, Alan, is all about trying to help our brotherhood and keep, you know, their family uh, safe. I can tell you one of the things that I've had the biggest trouble with with family a lot of times is going in, realizing that they have accidentally clicked on some junk messages that created malware on their computer or took them to a site that registered them for lots of other junk email because that junk email is very, very well made <laughs> oftentimes. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to see, hard to know what to, what to, what's right and what's wrong. So Well, I... Uh... I, I, I'm going to mention this as a as a tip that I do um, because I don't think it really fits in in some of our future categories. But when it comes to junk mail, this is the thing I have to end up training people on doing because you're right. Spammers are getting really, really good at making emails that look like authentic emails yep. from Google, from Apple, from anywhere else. There's a couple of times I've seen them and I'm 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 going to be fooled if I'm not paying attention. and. Um, they want you to click a link. They want you to reset your password. They want you to do something. They say you're locked out of your account and you need to click this link to get logged back in. All they're trying to do is grab your either email address or hopefully your email password. And that way they can use it or do something else with it. Um, here's what I have to kind of train people to do is uh, most email programs. If you see a link or a button that they want you to click or press in an email, and if you hover your mouse, over that button. Just don't click it. Just hover over it. Most email programs will pop up and show you what web address it's trying to send you to. And right away, you can spot it. And it's very, very clearly obvious most of the times that it's not sending you to the site that it's telling you it's sending you to. Right. Like if it's an email that looks like it's from Apple and it says, here, click here to go and reset your password. And you roll over and it's trying to send you to www xyz dot something else backslash some other random phrase and it's not apple.com in that main address okay. it is not a legit i mean you right. you need to get rid of it um the even bigger broader rule i would say even if you're you're concerned about that step about just defining what is a valid link that it's trying to send you to if you didn't do anything that would cause you cause you to be locked out of your 
Google or iCloud or any of that account, but you're getting an email saying that you are locked out or something else has triggered it, chances are pretty high it could be spam. And it's best, I say, to just spam it away anyway. Yeah. If it really is an issue with that service, they're going to still contact you through other methods and try to work with you. But um, well, you got to be diligent. They're getting yeah. smart. They're getting really, really smart with how that spam stuff looks. And some yeah. people can get fooled pretty easy. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you an example. Uh, over, I think it was Thanksgiving, where we had uh, family come to visit. Uh, my father-in-law said to me, hey, while I've got you here, by the way, I got this email and I'm really nervous about it because it says that it's charging that Amazon is charging me for something that I ordered. That's, you know, a pretty high amount or whatever. And he said, and I, and I didn't order that. He said, so I need to call these people to, can you help me call them or something? I said, hold on, hold on, show me your email first. Right. And of course, the same thing, you, you and I do the exact same thing that I look at it and I try to figure out what are the links that it's asking you to go to, which were not Amazon links. But the other sure. thing that the nice part that, you know, in my strategy, oftentimes with people is, yeah, look at the links. But if it's something like your Amazon account has a problem, well, go and open up a browser and go to Amazon and log in the way you normally log, log in. in. And it will tell you if there's a problem right away. If you log in and it yeah. says, uh, I don't see anything with orders here, then you're good. Go in the way that you always go and don't click on links from an email, which are yeah, going to direct you. That's a good call. Because when it gets there, it's going to look a lot like Amazon. And it's going, even yeah. the web address up in the, the menu bar is going to look like Amazon at that point because it'll redirect and show a different important link. Just go in the way that you've always gone in. So I think junk mail, you know, yes, we can say that's an issue with email. Quite honestly, it's becoming an issue even with text messages. And I think it's going to be mm -hmm. more of an issue with that. Um, oh, yeah. A quick aside, and we don't want to, you know, well, well, we always talk long. So what's the issue? But yeah, I was say, what, what's changed? You know, but this uh, is supposed to be a 15 minute conversation, Brian. We're already like at, you know, 35, 40 minutes. So go ahead. But I had, uh, uh, there was a kind of a new uh, junk process that was happening within my university. I get a text message about, I think this was about three or four weeks ago when the whole pandemic thing started and everything. Mm -hmm. I get a text message that said, Hey, Brian, this is uh, Dean so-and-so, which is exactly what that person would say. And I don't have that person's text message or their email, or I'm sorry, their, uh, their phone number. So it comes up and says, hey, this is so-and-so. I'm in a meeting right now. Uh, however, I need you to do me a favor. Well, I had just sent her something two days ago, which I thought, oh, gosh, this is a rush that she was trying to respond back to me. She said, hey, I need you to do me a favor are you available now? And it was just real simple. Like, are you available? I'm like, well, yes, I'm available. What do you need? Right. And then it was like, I, I can tell you more information now once I get out of this meeting, but I just need you to go and get, and then all of a sudden it was like, go and get me these two gift cards. Right. Well, of course I had had these people visiting that I thought, oh, well, she's probably wanting me to do a gift card. Of course, you know, I, I, as for a while I was like, wait a minute, who are you again? You know, I mm -hmm. went and she said, or that person said, I am so-and-so dean of college, the college, you know. Wow. It was like laid out, right? So they are going to the university account, they're, looking for all the information. Mm -hmm. And then there's an actual person. It wasn't that this was just automated. There's someone back there going, hey, well, why do you, what do you mean? Of course, it's me, so-and-so, the dean of whatever, right? You know, 
what it, I mean, it was it was really odd. And then of wow, course, that's... There and there, they're getting really, really deep. Because why? Well, because messages are now where we're, that's where they exactly. need to get. That's what we're doing. It's, right? it's kind of like, hey, we've, we've used email. There's been yeah. a lot of education out there right. about how to protect yourself from spam for email. So let's move on to the next platform, which is messages, which that's is exactly the big right. thing. So Brian, gonna... I tell you, that's scary, uh, what you just described. But I'm also impressed. I mean, because that's pretty cool what they're doing in a bad way. Okay, it's a it's a bad bad thing, but it is kind of cool the way they're doing it. I mean, like, well, like, right, that's, like that's, if you were going to try and do this, that's, that's a pretty slick way of doing it, right? I that's, mean, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. totally the way to do it. Yeah, but it's totally bad. Okay, totally bad. Okay, so we say it's still team. impressive. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really oh. bad. Just yeah. you got to marvel though at the technology yeah. involved in yeah. it. I mean, you know, so anyway. I mean, at the end of that text, um, thing, I think I did say, you know, props to you. <laughs> nice try. Good job. Yeah, right. it was a hey, good yeah. job. I mean, yeah. you almost got me. So it's that fun. was good. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Um, okay. So- I, I think, you know, just talking about general, just email again, again, I, I know junk wasn't really too much on the, on the list there, but of course, junk is something we have to contend with. Uh, junk is starting to pop up into messages. So, you know, it's not an email exclusive issue. It will grow in these other platforms as well, but it's still something we have to spend a lot of time managing. The only other thing I wanted to kind of mention, Brian, personally about just overall email, and I think a lot of people don't forget, they forget about or don't use, is the fact that on an email account, you can have folders. And that's something that can be a little tricky for people to set up and and use. And, but I mean, what happens is I think it's not as intuitive for a lot of people to create folders in their email account. So the default is every email just sits in the inbox and just stays there. And there's no organization of emails, although you could, you can have folders and you can, you know, I've got a couple of folders of projects that are maybe not right away projects I need to work on, but these are projects I want to keep all the emails together. So when I'm ready to work on that one, I've got them all together. And it's, you know, you could use the manual process of dragging your emails into that folder. It cleans it out of your inbox. It, it opens that up a little bit, but then you got to remember that those emails are in that folder and, you know, um, it's, it's a nice feature that email has that not enough people use as many email programs as I've had to go into to help people. And I see their inbox at, you know, four or five digits, you know, number of emails in that inbox. They're not using any kind of folders or not using any kind of organization tools at all. Uh, but folders are probably the most basic and just about every, you know, whether it's a Gmail, iCloud, Outlook, will let you create folders and you can yeah. use those to organize your email a little bit better. Most people just don't. And, yeah. uh, you know, it is what it is. Well, and folders, folders was the original way of doing it, right? Which short, uh, shifting yeah. things. There are other ways now of tagging, right? Where you might have say, well, right. I've got 5,000 emails in an e- inbox. But they're tagged so that if I said, show me only the starred ones or mm-hmm. show me only the work ones, then it's going to yeah. filter things out. So it's the same idea, right? Is it can you categorize things in terms of how you want to use it? Um, 
I think folders are still good. I mean, I'm a, I'm a folder believer, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. just the way I store things, I tend to store things nested in folders inside of folders inside of folders. So at least I know what path to follow to find something. Um, so that's going to be available on anything. What, what I would give as a piece of advice with folders, though, is do keep in mind that we talked about what an IMAP uh, system means. Mm-hmm. If you go on your computer and you say, I want to create a new folder and you accidentally put the folder under your on your computer section, that means when you drag that email over, it's now on your computer. It's no longer on the server. So you got to make sure that your folder is something that is visible or still on the, the server. So when you slide it over to to do later that you go to your phone and it's in your 2D later folder there, that that folder is available as well. So I just, you know, just a reminder that you want to often check and make sure that whatever you create, whether it's a folder, shifting things over, reorganizing, that that's also going to be available from other devices, if that's where you need Very, very good point. That burned me quite a while back. I remember I was setting up some folders and Sure enough, I was on the road and I was on my phone and I was trying to look for an email I put in that folder and I realized that folder, I had saved that folder on my computer level on my email program, not on the actual mail server. Right. And yeah, that'll trip you up if that's what not what you were intending. So yeah. um, folders are just always to me kind of really fascinating how little I feel like they're probably used in emails nowadays. And I agree, it's not always the easiest thing to set up and to kind of make sure that you've got them in the right place and that they're going to sync with everything else. So, um, well, so Alan, uh, here's here's my thought, just because I I do want us to try to keep this within two hours. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) what so since we know we're going to have a we're going to have a follow up, which I'm really excited about, we'll have a follow up that is there's some really creative new features, I think, that can Mm -hmm. be utilized with with uh, email. Let's talk for just a second, briefly, if someone came to you, a family member and said, hey, I'm using email, but I need some strategies. I need some help with making my email a little bit more efficient. It's driving me nuts, right? I'm not keeping in control of it. And they're not using any of these new features that we're going to suggest that may be out there with some uh, apps. So let's just talk, okay, in the standard email client, right? Mm -hmm. Inbox, folders, you know, the ability to make something new again, the ability to all of that got standard things that are there junk. What are some strategies you have? You mentioned before that you try to get your inbox down to zero if you can, right? I mean, that's kind of, uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm laughing as I say that, but sure. Yeah. I try to get my inbox down to zero. Try. Yeah. That that would be nice. And the reason Um, you're doing that is because you're trying to accomplish things or you're trying to organize. It's just trying to be efficient. I I, I believe I, I, and this is maybe getting a little more philosophical, but I believe that when people are faced with large number of items, staring them in the face, whether it be stacks of paper on your desk, whether it be number of email addresses or, or emails in your inbox, it is an overwhelming feeling that makes it hard to be as productive and as efficient as you want to be. You get overwhelmed. I think that's just human nature. If I walk into a room and I'm surrounded by stacks and stacks of paper of all these different things and that need to be done something with it. It's crippling. It can be crippling for people. So the big reason I think people try to look for this idea of magical inbox zero is that you can respond to and address the things that come into your inbox as they come into your inbox and you're not carrying things over and over and over to where they keep building and building and building. 
I mean, I'm, I'm terribly guilty of this. I know there are emails in my inbox that I should have responded to weeks ago. And unfortunately, the way email works is it has gotten pushed down and pushed down and pushed down with newer emails on top. So those older emails, I have to be a conscious effort to go backwards to find them and address them. And if we were in a inbox zero mentality of we're going to keep it clear all the time, that would never happen. You would be responding to them as they're coming in or doing something with them appropriately. We will talk about these in a deep dive. Some of these other features, like you said, yeah. other browsers or other email programs are introducing to help us. But as far as your stock stuff, the biggest thing I would say is uh, making sure your spam filter is working the way you expect it to, because the less spam you see in your inbox, the less clutter there's going to be. And the second thing would be is using those folders for some types of emails that don't need to be in your inbox. Yeah. Do you get newsletters? Do you get a lot of newsletters that are just nice things to read, but they're not pressing of your time right now? Then create a newsletters folder and just drop them, drag them all into there. Take them out of your inbox and put them in that newsletter folder. When you've got some free time and you want to catch up some reading, go read stuff in your newsletter folder. But otherwise, it doesn't take up room in your inbox. That's yep. Yeah, that's probably the two most stock things I could say that are going to be applicable for any email program you use. And that's what I would really recommend people people do. Do you have one, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I like the idea of uh, <clears throat> getting things out of that inbox. And if they're not that uh, pressing, one of the strategies that I started trying to do um, is I created two two folders and I put them at the top of the list of my other folders so that they're easy to see is that I would go through the in, the in, inbox every day and I would put things either in the to-do or to-read folder. So there's a to-do mm. folder and a to-read folder. To-do means okay. I got to I got to do something with this and there's there's something yeah. some action required to read which I had a lot of. Hey, this is the, you know, new version of this. I'm not supposed to do anything. I'm just supposed to have read it you know, for a meeting yeah. or something like that, right? So I started putting those over and I also put a little um, a rule that I think when things went over there, they stayed new so that, of course, I can see on my folder, there's 12 things in there. So I can very easily, you know, get a, a view that there's 12 things I need to read and there's two things I need to do. Um, and then I started to try to designate one or two times a day that I would look over at those. Uh, so I still have a problem that I my inbox is always yeah. up. My email is always up. Yeah. When I see things coming in, because I do feel like, like we talked about earlier, there are some things that come through that are urgent. You know, sadly, I don't want people messaging me when they're urgent. I tend to have them emailed so that I will see it. Uh, I don't do very well with what most people suggest is a good email strategy, which is designate two or three times a day for an hour that you email. email and then do not check email between those times. I do not do yeah. that. That's not me. Uh, I would love yeah. if I did that, but I, but I don't. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, when I see things coming in and being able to feel as though I can put it to another folder, that means I don't have to do it right now. But when I do sit down and do my to read stuff and I have time to do that, that's where it's going to be. And I know how to yeah. get to it. I think it's kind of helpful. Okay. So I think yeah. you know, being being creative in terms of your workflow about how can I get things out of the email or in the box? Because I tell you, one of the problems with inbox is if it's not on that first screen, mm -hmm. if I have to scroll I don't see it and I don't deal with yep. it. So once it gets below the fold, right, there's a problem. So the more I can suggest people to shift it over 
to folders that tell you what to do with it and keep that inbox to one screen. You know, it's kind of like uh, they say now make, make resumes, you know, one page so that yeah. that's all they're going to read. Well, keep your inbox to one screen because that's the part that's saying this needs to stay in my attention right now and then move everything out of there that doesn't need to be in your attention right now. And um, so it's almost like for me, the to-do is you need to do it within the next day or two. Inboxes, you need to deal with it now. And, I, and if I can make yeah. it that way, that inbox is my right now, and then of course right now could be shifted to a folder, delete it, or actually respond to it, then it allows me to at least focus on trying to get that inbox down to zero. So, um, so I'll tell you what let's do, Brian. All of these concepts we just described, these little tactics are great, but I want something to do these things for me automatically. So how yep. about we talk about that in our, our next deep dive episode about some tools or some new features that some email programs are trying to introduce or have been starting to use that can help in some of these things we're talking about, because what we're describing still takes a lot of manual effort and a lot yep. of time. Yep. And I think there's maybe some quicker ways to, to do that. So we're going to discuss that in the very next episode we put out. Great. Um, so I do encourage you to check that out. Um, but I think that's a good overview of, of email in general right now. I think, uh, you know, again, it was more, more philosophical talk for us about the idea of email and what it means for us right now. It's not a perfect uh, communication system, but it's probably the most standard we've got right now for most business and organizations and even personal. Um, but I think that we may see that change before too long. We're going to have to kind of explore that and see. Brian, we always kind of wrap up this conversation each episode we do with kind of a, 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 a brothers in tech suggestion or a bits as you so cleverly came up with as an acronym. And um, still impressed by that. It's still really, really good. You know, I have um, one thing that I've contributed throughout this entire one. Podcast. You have one thing you've done. Yeah. Um, so Brian, we keeping it general, yeah. uh, we have a couple suggestions of just what we might recommend as kind of a good uh, app or program or site that has to do with email in general. So Brian, what, what do you have to share as your bits this week, this week? Well, my bit, so since we are keeping it fairly general, I didn't want to, I have a lot of email clients that I've been trying out and some have really, really creative, uh, creative solutions uh, that people can try. But I thought for this one, I would give what has been my go-to email client for the last I think I've been using it on my phone for the last maybe three or four years. Um, and it has been, in my opinion, and I've tried a lot of them, it's been the most stable email uh, app that I have used. And uh, and I and I almost shudder to say it because it's a Microsoft thing that if you told me to use Outlook on my computer, I would go nuts. I do not like using mm. Outlook, my, Microsoft Outlook on my computer but I love using it on my phone. So I'm actually Interesting. going to give my suggestion is Outlook, the mobile version of Outlook. And I'll tell you why I like it. Uh, so on iOS, the standard mail is good, right? But if mm -hmm. things like a calendar event and all of that, you have to then open up calendars, which is a whole different app and all of that. You know, Outlook has calendars built into it. So there's a tab at the very bottom of the screen that's always there to show you your calendar. You just click on it, you mm -hmm. see your calendar, you click back. Uh, they integrate together fairly well in terms of if you're, if I'm sending you an email, at the bottom I can click the little button that says suggest a time. And then it pulls up and says, well, here's your calendar. So I, 
it's a quick way for me, even while I'm creating an email, to see my calendar. Even if I don't actually send you a time, it allows me to be able to, to see it. It has just been so rock solid. It, it, the, mail, the messages come in fast. Um, they're easy to deal with. It's, it has swipe features that are really nice. And of course, they all have now of being able to swipe and delete uh, things like uh that I really believe, I really believe in when it, when an email, given that I'm going to be using email um, that often, uh, what I want is something that can be dealt with. Lots of messages can be dealt with very quickly. So one of the things that it does is if I see a list in my inbox and I click and hold on the message, it automatically selects that message and then allows me to select others. So the little toggle select, a lot of email clients you have to go up and say, select, and then, okay, now I'm going to put a checkbox by the ones I want to select. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just makes it easier, one-handed, click and hold, makes a selection automatically and allows you to check the others. There's just a lot of really cool features that uh, that I would say nothing fancy. It doesn't do anything fancy, but it does everything really, really well. Um, now, so I think if you haven't tried it, even on an uh, iPhone, and usually the iOS people would shudder to think of using Outlook or Microsoft, mm-hmm. but it's it's super slick on a mobile. And it's, uh, uh, like I said, I would not use it on a computer myself. I don't like Outlook as a, um, as a desktop solution. But I love it as a mobile solution. So, so, so your email. So you 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 don't have an Outlook email no. account, correct? You've got it hooked up with your. But I, I, that... I, I do. The university uses an Exchange, which is a Microsoft product. But okay, sure. No, I don't. I don't have a macro. I don't have an Outlook three sixty five, you know, account or an Office three sixty five. I just use the app to read my Yahoo, and my Gmail, and my university emails. So I just use it as an account. Will let you work with the iCloud address? Yes. I'm pretty sure it does. I'm pretty sure it does. Hmm. Yeah. Again, it's just a, it's just an email client uh, where you can go in and set up different email uh, accounts. You can add any of your email addresses, even if you're not an Outlook email user. Yeah. It's just a program um, and it's okay. not necessarily tied straight to their, uh, their services. So it's, it's incredibly good. Now, I'll give a quick little caveat and <laughs> that I was using it for the last three or four years, as I said, uh, up until about two weeks ago. And then one of the updates they put in kind of caused some quirks and problems, mm-hmm. but I let them know about it. And I think they're, you know, they've had it for multiple. Oh. So they fixed well, it really well. When, let- when, Brian J- when Brian Jackson writes Microsoft, everybody stops their work and says, you know, wait a minute. That's right. Brian says, we got a problem. We got to fix this that's pronto. Right. So, so, so when good. I got a call, when I got a message from Bill Gates after that, that said, <laughs> Brian, I'm really, really sorry, but we're going to fix this for you. Uh, I kind yeah. of feel like it's going it, to, they're really good at features and they're often, you know, often the updates to the app occur like every week. So they're, they're often tweaking things, but if you haven't tried it, Outlook uh, on iOS especially is, is really good. And it, and I think okay. it's much better even than the, uh, well, the standard. So. Well, so I'm going to kind of flip the script a little bit because here's my issue. My, my, my brothers and tech suggestions are very boring. I am, um, I have always been a little adverse to using a different program on mobile versus desktop when it comes to email. I like consistency. Um, now, that being said, I agree with you. The iOS app for mail on my iPhone is not not super great. I mean, it's it's functional and that's about it. Yeah. 
Although I will say, my rec- I, I still love Mac OS Mail or iOS. I, I still love Mac OS Mail in general. It's not great. Again, there's a lot of Mac, features Mac I wish OS it would. Or iOS. Which one are you talking? Mac OS. Mac. Mac. Yeah. Mac. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is what I use. The Mac right. OS Mail. Yeah. Um, it's still not great in that there's a lot of features I wish it would include. And there are some things I wish it would advance a little quicker. But as far as its stability for me now, and the fact that it's so well connected with the rest of my Mac operating system, it's still my go-to mail program. It's the one I can work on the most efficiently, get the most things done uh, quickly. And I know where everything is and I know how everything works. So I'm a devotee of the Mac OS mail program that comes with your operating system. So I use iOS mail just because by default, I feel like it needs to be kind of uh, consistent, but you're telling me, no, I don't, I, I don't need to, I could, I could branch out and be a little more yes. adventurous on the yes. iOS side. Yes. Okay. Well, and you, and I don't think you'll see. Yeah. I think, I think what you'll find is that of course, using Mac OS mail and iOS mail, of course, they're going to work seamlessly together, but I think you'll mm-hmm. find that there are features that can happen on the mobile version of other apps that you won't find yourself juggling. Now, there are some that if you did it, it creates its own folder structure. And then all of a sudden you're you're feeling very messed up on your desktop. Yeah, that's the like, thing I get a little worried Outlook, about. So. Outlook will not. Outlook is really, okay. really rock solid. It will not do that. To, to All right. Well, I may this weekend, that may be something I try and experiment with and see how that works. I'm kind of very curious now. So, All right. Cool. Well, again, like I said, my, my, my suggestion was very boring, but I do say that I know there's a lot of email programs out there for the Mac and I've tried a lot of them and I know we're even going to talk about maybe a few in some of the deep dive episodes. I still kind of come back to the Mac built-in OS uh, mail program because I think it's, I think it's solid. I think there's more creativity on the iOS side where we can explore some different ways to use mail on your mobile device. But when it comes to sitting in front of my computer, trying to be productive, I'm still Mac OS mail is still running eight hours a day, at least uh, on my computer. So, yeah. Well, Brian, we're going to go and wrap up this discussion of email. Again, this is a lot more just broad discussion on the concept of email and where it is in today's society. Uh, as we go into our deep dives, we are going to get a little more tactical with things. I know our next deep dive episode, our first deep dive episode, is going to be all about some creative features and strategies that some newer email clients are introducing that um, are really worth checking out and can really help some of those efficiency things that we were talking about. And then we'll have some, another episode or two uh, following on with some other deeper discussions about the concept of email in general. Uh, but Brian, you know, if somebody's listening to this and they uh, are really, really a, a, an avid email user and wants to give us either some feedback or ideas or questions, what email address should they send a, a message to us? Well, regardless of what we've said about email, please do use info at the mesh TV. So info at vmesh.tv is going to be the email address to send us uh, what topics you'd like us to approach in the future. Um, and then also maybe some strategies that you have that we can share with other people. So info yeah, at absolutely. 
All right. So that will wrap us up for today in uh, this main episode about email. And again, please uh, subscribe if you haven't already, if you want to make sure you get every weekly episode that we put out. Um, and also, it's a great way of just uh, making sure you stay in touch with us and uh, find out everything that we're putting out as far as some, some discussions and content. We would love to hear from you, so please reach out to us as you can. And I also encourage you to check out the mesh.tv website to see other podcasts that our network puts out that are of interest of a wide variety of topics. This is the only one dealing with technology, but um, there's a lot of other interesting topics out there of podcasts as well that we'd love for you to explore. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks so much for listening to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.tv. Brown and Brian Jackson, uh, thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.